Fundraising everywhere. 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 Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, where we give you a glimpse into one of our amazing webinars or conferences. You can check out one of our full sessions and get a 50% discount by using the code FEPODCAST at fundraisingeverywhere.com. Yep, just head to the Fundraising Everywhere website and use the code FEPODCAST at the checkout to get 50% off any of our sessions. You're all very welcome to this uh, session today. This is events, fundraising and the cost of living crisis with our friends at Enthuse. Um, so if you don't know me, my name is Simon Scriver. I am one of the co-founders of Fundraising Everywhere. And I am just here briefly. Don't worry, I'll be coming off screen soon. Just here briefly to say hello and thank you all for joining us. And I've got a couple of housekeeping bits to, to, um, uh, to go through, if you don't mind. Um, so first of all, if you haven't been at one of our events before, uh, the chat box you'll see, um, that is where you can post any questions that you have for any of our speakers. Um, but we'd also just love to hear your general thoughts and just to just to hear who you are and where you are. So if you haven't used that already, then go ahead and test out that chat box. Maybe put your name uh, uh, and where you're tuning in from would be really, really good. So say hello in there. I can already see a couple of people, uh, a few people from the Fundraising Everywhere team are there, already there, and Rochelle is there. Um, and some of other people are just beginning to arrive. So you're all very, very welcome. Thank you. Uh, you'll also see underneath the chat box, we have a feedback and polls section. And at the moment, we're running a little uh, poll here around, um, or a little word cloud, around how people are feeling uh, about events fundraising at the moment. So if you wanna click on that, put in your own thought, put in your own word, put in a, multiple words if you want, um, and we'll be keeping an eye on that just to see how people are feeling. So we've got a few hopefuls in there already, um, but there's definitely a trend there in slow and uncertain, Oh, but excited. As, as always, fundraisers, very bipolar, very mix of opinions there. So do keep checking that out. We'll also be um, um, may, perhaps running some uh, polls and stuff throughout the session, but we'd also love to get your feedback in there. So do keep an eye on that feedback and polls thing. At the end, we'd love to hear what your top learnings are from today, um, and we can summarize those all to you when we go out to you at the end. Now, a few other things to mention. First of all, I want to give a special shout out to our members, any of the Fundraising Everywhere members that are here. Hello to you. You're all very, very welcome. I mean, everyone is very special to us, but our members allow us to do what we do every day um, and, and help create this community. So thank you very much to our members. If you're not a Fundraising Everywhere member, why not? Uh, you'll find a link underneath me uh, to join Fundraising Everywhere. So do have a look at that. Um, we do do individual membership, but we also do organizational membership. So if your organization has training budget that you're looking to spend before the end of this calendar year, um, then do get, get in touch and we can take care of all of your training and development needs um, for 2023. Um, oh, the chat box is getting busy already. I see a few Charlottes. There's always a few Charlottes in the chat box, isn't there? Hello, Anthony. Hello, Wendy. Hello, Phil. Hello, Lily. Ah, oh, very good. Oh, we have someone from Croatia. Hello, Lily. Um, that's great. So the chat box is working. So do go ahead and uh, mingle, throw in your questions, throw in your own thoughts and experiences and comments. That would be great. 
Um, as well, today's session is eligible for one CFRE point. So if you are a certified fundraising executive, if you have a CFRE, then don't forget to log that. This session today is worth one point to you. Um, and also don't forget that we have our events fundraising virtual summit coming up in the, on the 26th of January. So again, we've put a link there underneath me uh, if you want to go across and book your ticket at any stage. We are running a discount today. Um, so if you use the discount code EVENTS15, EVENTS15, you will get 15% off the early bird price, which is a discount off the full price. Uh, so now is the time to book in, my friends. 26th of January, we'll be back with a full conference talking about all things around events fundraising. It is the place to be, um, so please do join us. And then finally, just underneath me, you will also see another button to the uh, uh, Enthuse Insights. If you haven't seen the Enthuse Insights, these are really, really helpful stuff that they publish all the time. Our friends at Enthuse, we love these. Basically keeping the finger on the pulse of the sector, seeing what people are saying, seeing what the trends are, um, and just, you know, really great learnings in there. So you haven't, if you haven't had a look at those after this session, head on over to those Enthuse Insights. There's plenty of reports to download uh, around events, fundraising, but around all sorts of fundraising. So it's so really worth checking out there. Okay. Oh yes, and the Donor Pulse Autumn 2022 is out. If you don't see the enthused Donor Pulses, these come out every few months. You should definitely be reading those. These are like these are like gold dust in the fundraising everywhere offices. We wait for these to come out. We get loads of our learnings from there, and we will see what trends we need to stay on top of in the coming months around our training and everything like that. Okay, my friends, we are going to kick off. I'm going to hand over to our host for today, uh, who is going to introduce our panel. So we've got some great speakers today uh, to talk us through all things events fundraising and what's happening around the cost of living crisis. Um, but chairing our, our discussion today is Mr. Krishan Solanke. So, um, oh, hello, Krishan. How are you? Good. Thank you, Simon. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm cold, but besides that, <laughs> yeah, same. It's freezing. Um, so I'm not going to embarrass Krishan by doing a full reading of his bio um, um, in advance. You can check out our site if you want to know more. But Krishan is from Muscular Dystrophy UK. Uh, Krishan, you are the head of uh, head of events, aren't you? Well, your your job title is growing and encompassing <laughs> head of yes. events and regional development team. That's right. It's basically events fundraising, but also community fundraising. That's the regional development part. Nice one. Let's see if we can get some more things added to your job title by the end of today's session. <laughs> anyway, um, but Krishan, I'm going to hand it over to your capable hands. I'm going to say goodbye. I'll see you at the end. Um, but thank you so much for taking part in this and, and enjoy yourself. Good luck. Thanks, Simon. Hi, everyone. Um, as Simon said, welcome to the Fundraising Everest seminar in partnership with Enthuse on the cost of living crisis and events fundraising. Um, I hear that we have over 260 people registered, so a very warm welcome to you all. Um, so as Simon said, I'm Simon said, that's cool. Um, I'm uh, Christian Solanke, and I head up the events and regional development team at Muscular Dystrophy UK. And it's a pleasure to chair this session, which um, we'll be kicking off with a presentation from Amanda, Joe, and Sophie from Enthuse, um, who I'm sure you're all familiar with as one of the market leaders in online given platforms and registration systems. So thanks in advance to all of them and to Enthuse for sponsoring this session. And you'll also be able to find a link to their insights archive, as Simon mentioned, uh, under the video screen. So do check that out. So 
right now it's certainly a interesting time for our nation our economy and this topic is going to be um, a hot agenda for many UK charities so um, from from my personal experience from working at MDUK um, over the last year we, we've had um, a, a good year all things considered um, but right now we're, we're starting to plan for for next year um, and trying to mitigate um, the challenges ahead as I'm sure you all are so we're really looking forward to, to having this discussion with everyone and, and seeing um, what what interviews are going to present? Um, just a quick check in on the word cloud, if we can, Anna, uh, just to see um, how people are feeling. So some kind of uh, nervousness, I think, from with, with some of the kind of bold words there, with uh, uncertainty and, and concerns. So um, hoping this session will. Um, address and, and give you more confidence in events fundraising for, for the year to come um, and, and please do keep maybe uh, putting one words in there as, as maybe the presentations been done by by enthuse so that we can hopefully see that change throughout the um, throughout the session um, so just before I pass on to enthuse a reminder to ask questions in the chat box um, and then they'll be fed back to me um, and, and then when the when the presentation's over, I'll, I'll be able to um, uh, ask the the panel um, any questions that that have been fed back. So feel free to use the chat box for that. And then um, after the presentation, we'll also have we have a few pre-planned questions for the panel and and for all of us really to to start sharing some uh, good learnings and insights across the industry. Right, that's it from me. Um, I'm going to hand over to the team at Enthuse for, for their presentation. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Christian. Uh, really great to be here today um, and really looking forward to be discussing the cost of living crisis, uh, the effect that it's having on charity fundraising events, but importantly, what your organisation can do to, to weather the storm. So to start with, just wanted to go through a brief agenda for the session, let you know what we're going to be covering. Uh, we've got a few slides to talk you through, and then we're going to be opening up the session to you, the audience, and really want to, to create an open conversation. So please feel free to speak up, uh, put your questions into the chat box. We really want to hear from you as well. Um, and firstly, a you know, really big thank you to Fundraising Everywhere for hosting this session. And yeah, big thank you to Christian again for chairing. Um, so to start with, some introductions. So hello everybody, I'm Sophie Clark and I'm Commercial Director here at Enthuse. Hi everyone, my name's Jo Hodgson and I'm a Customer Success Manager at Enthuse. Hey everyone, great to be here. I'm Amanda Sutherland and I'm Senior Mass Events Charity Associate here at Enthuse. So you might have heard of Enthuse already, uh, but if not, we are a fundraising, donations and event registration technology provider. Uh, we've helped thousands of charities raise millions of pounds for good causes by supporting their online fundraising, but with a really big focus on event fundraising as well. Uh, our solution is customised under the charity's own brand and put the organisation in control of their own data. And this really allows charities to, to build and nurture their own loyal supporter base, raising more money, uh, but also ultimately having more impact. We were founded in 2012, uh, and we now have operations in London, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Republic of Ireland. 
And our mission has always been the same, to help transform digital fundraising by putting charities first so they can raise more for their cause. We're very aware that it's a tough time for the sector at the moment, uh, but there's definitely some hope going forward into 2023. And I did see um, on one of the, the comments that people are feeling hopeful, which is, which is great to see. So what we're hoping to do today is share with you some of our key findings from our donor pulse at Autumn 22, uh, which Simon mentioned uh, earlier in his introduction, and you, that is going to be available, which I think is in the box below me. Um, as we're going to be looking at that report, which looks at how the public is feeling about the cost of living crisis um, and what impact it's having on their willingness to donate to charities. Thank you. Uh, so just as a recap, uh, I'm sure you're all aware that the fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic has meant that charities have had to adapt to the new normal uh, this year and the very nature of fundraising has shifted significantly in favour of a more virtual landscape. Uh, so this year we saw charities embracing new ways to fundraise and keep their supporters and fundraisers engaged with their ongoing campaigns um, and therefore the need for digital fundraising became more apparent than ever. Compared to previous years, due to the uncertainty the pandemic brought, 2022 for the most part allowed charities to find some sense of stability. Uh, with the return of physical and mass participation events, such as the TCS London Marathon and the Great Run, 2022 was a significant turning point for the charity sector. And it's been really fantastic to see the return of in-person events, which I'm sure we can all agree on. However, another issue that the sector now faces is the impact of the cost of living crisis, which has become a huge factor in 2022. Um, we, we've seen that it has caused so many charities to shift their strategy in order to counteract the effects of this. So due to the setback of the pandemic, the cost of living crisis emerged, affecting charities, fundraising efforts and income through donations. So through this, the cost of giving crisis emerged with many people at the beginning of the year facing financial difficulties. It was the beginning of the year that all regions of the UK were negatively affected, with more people finding it harder to give. Um, as we can see in our Donor Pulse Autumn 2022 report, the cost of living crisis is having a volatile impact on regular givers, with 12% of the most well-off households scaling back the amount they give, whilst 20% are increasing it. The overall picture remains varied, but for charities, it is essential to be encouraging donations through their own sites and providing multiple options. So in regards to donors at the beginning of the year, close to half the population felt worse off than they did six months prior, and 53% said that their position made it harder to donate. The feeling only increased come the summer and found a direct correlation between feeling worse off financially and viewing more obstacles whilst trying to donate. Of course, we know at the end of the year has been drawing nearer. We've seen the economy plagued with increasing interest rates, bringing new challenges to charity supporters alongside inflation, driving the rising cost of electricity, gas and food. But there is definitely hope coming in 2023. And here's the good news. So despite this, donations have remained high as they did at the beginning of the year with 75% of the public having given in the last quarter of 2022. Um, so it's really important to remember this when planning events and taking part in mass challenge events, people are still willing to donate. Thanks, Joe. Um, so now let's look at what that means for people wanting to take part in fundraising events. 
As Joe mentioned, 2022 has been a bit of a roller coaster as people's concerns have shifted rapidly from COVID to the cost of living. And this comes off the back of two years of limited mass events because of the pandemic. So when we looked at um, these, these stats are from our mass events report that we did earlier in the year. And when we looked across the last five years, there's been extensive participation in mass events by all UK public. Uh, and an overall level, around half of adults under 65 have had taken part in a mass event for charity, whether that's a walk, run, cycle, swim or triathlon. But when we focused on 2022, only 31% of charity participants under 65 had signed up an event so far, with walking and running being the most popular activities. However, there is good news especially about why fundraisers take part in those mass events. So, as I mentioned, findings from the mass event report earlier in the year, uh, the factor cited by more than half of all participants is raising money for charity. This is the leading motivation uh, for, for taking part. And a third of participants also said that raising awareness for charities is a key motivator. The second and most important motivators were maintaining health and fitness and mental health and well-being. And interestingly, mental health and fitness and is motivation is rising as the um, as the age increases as well. So if we look at the last five years, raising money is the top motivation each year. However, there's been that clear, steady increase in maintaining health and fitness, as well as mental health and well-being over that period. Maintaining health and fitness has risen from 35% to 54%, and mental health and well-being has grown from 35% to 50%. So for charities, this is going to be really important to consider when putting on their events, the types of events that they run, but also considering how they're going to show the benefits of health, fitness, and mental health and well-being from taking part in the event, as well as the benefits of raising money. But as we know, not everyone who takes part in mass events um, is fundraising. And the top reason for not taking part in mass events for two in five people is that they don't last like asking their friends and family and colleagues for donation. And the second biggest reason is just under a third of people, they don't like being placed under the pressure to fundraise. So again, for charities, it's really important to help participants by providing lots of fun and simple fundraising ideas to help take the pressure off the individual and make asking donations much easier. And I know Amanda is going to share some of her tips in order to, to do that. Thanks, Soph. So it's really all about focusing on the positives. People are still donating, so keep working closely with your fundraisers, supporting them and helping them feel confident in making the ask. As fundraisers, you're all used to making the ask and are often very creative when doing so. Something I've learned is that you don't always have to ask directly and that can be really something that helps make that ask less daunting. Using features your enthused fundraising page has to offer can be a big help with the ability to use Strava, and page posts, as well as fundraising milestones, all of which are shareable on social media. That allows the fundraiser to bring their supporters on more of a journey. So as they share their fundraising page, they're helping raise awareness for your causes with their branded pages, but also updating everyone where they're at on their fundraising journey, rather than saying, here's my fundraising page, please donate to it. 
we all know um, that we need to be reminded several times before we actually do something. I know I'm guilty of that too. Um, and fundraisers and supporters are no different. On average, it takes five shares before a supporter makes a donation. So the more they share their fundraising journey, the more opportunities they have to create for friends, family and everyone else who interacts with their fundraising page to make a donation to it. With the holidays fast approaching, over the past few years, we've found that Christmas Eve is where we see the most donations coming through in a single day. So this can be a good time to ensure fundraisers are doing a big push too. It's a great idea to maximise on your cause-specific events. So are there any anniversaries, dates or cause awareness weeks that you can really highlight in your fundraising calendar? It's really worthwhile um, thinking about different and innovative fundraising campaigns that you might not have tried before. These can be many challenges within your larger events. For example, Strava pictures were one of the fun and exciting things to come from lockdown. Um, I know I took part in something like this myself. Um, so while people are training for various walking and fundraising um, events, why not see who can draw the best festive image from a snowman to a candle? This can actually be something that you can do at various points in the year. It could even be an Easter challenge before the London Marathon to help drive engagement and donations. Perhaps share the best images on socials or have a public vote for the best um, for the best one. Try and engage your audiences um, in that way. Hybrid events are also a really positive way to keep events inclusive. So you could open up your supporter base to a whole new demographic, but it's really important that you don't forget your long-term supporters as I know they're really keen to get involved too. We've seen that more than half of the participants' main motivator to take part in events um, to fundraise for for good causes, um, it, it, sorry, is to fundraise for good causes, and a close second to that is health and fitness. It's getting to that time of year again where we can all be a bit indulgent. Um, this always creates a surge in the new year, new me sentiment, and that's where resolutions are made and health and well-being are back at the forefront of people's minds. Taking part in an event will help hold them accountable to their goals, um, as they'll say they'll have something tangible to, to work towards. Well, most, um, the truly the cherry on top is actually fundraising for good causes. Social posts and campaigns will really help you engage um, these individuals in running up to the new year and early January. Um, keeping your events simple, accessible and creative will really help make a positive impact. Um, walking and running events are still the most popular events. So with that in mind, um, you can really use that to your advantage. I've spoken to a lot of charities um, over the past few months and some are focusing on one or two big events so they don't spread themselves too thin and can really focus their efforts. Reflecting back to lockdown learnings, one of the things that really stuck out was the number of charities keeping fundraising targets and the cost to take part in these events, um, the exact same, and that didn't affect fundraisers taking part. So be positive and confident in your decisions. You know your fundraisers better than anyone else. So you 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 know um you'll have a good idea what's what's right for you um so yeah stay positive is, is the message thank you so we know that times are tough for charities at the moment but there is definitely a reason to feel positive about fundraising events going forward into 2023 uh, so we've put together a few top tips um to help weather the cost of living crisis so firstly, make sure that you keep your fundraisers motivated and engaged during these key fundraising months. Communication is key and it's really important to strike that right balance between not communicating enough and over communicating. So it's best to pre-plan what you want to send out um, and 
what you want to send out in your comms and make sure that with each email, social shout out or phone call, that there's an intention behind it. So whether that's celebrating a milestone that you've hit, an important update or celebrating the individual's success, make sure that you think this through before you hit, before you hit send. And you also want to avoid wasting that opportunity to communicate with a general non-engaging message. Fundraisers will also love to chat to other fundraisers. So we've seen real success from our charities by setting up a social group where they can um, hear from their own community, community, share their stories, successes and any challenges that they're having and really support each other. And this will keep going with really minimal efforts uh, and keep you up to date as a charity um, once the event is off the ground. So uh, tip two, so have you had to adjust your fundraising targets uh, that you recommend to your supporters? It's really important to remember that one size doesn't fit all. So you have to work out what's best for your organisation and your supporters and then be confident with what you've chosen to do um, as this will act as a goal for your fundraisers. With the cost of living crisis that we're currently facing, some people are finding it more difficult to raise funds. Um, in our recent mass events study, which you can find on our website, we found that two in five, which is 41% of people, don't like to ask their friends, families and colleagues for donations and would therefore be put off taking part in a mass event. For charities, helping participants by providing lots of fun, simple fundraising ideas will take the pressure off of the individual and make the ask for donations easier. Think outside the box um, when it comes to your fundraising events. Perhaps a virtual or a hybrid event might work best for your organisation, particularly over the winter periods, depending on your resources. Think about cause-specific dates like anniversaries and cause-focused weeks or months to really maximise your reach. Um, and last but not least, going into 2023, after a few rocky years, it's really important to re-engage with your long-term supporters, as well as looking to gain new supporters that belong to new demographics. It's been a tough time, tough time for the charity sector. So here's to 2023, been a great year for fundraising. And now I believe I'm passing over to Krishan to open up the, the Q&A. Thank you so much, Sophie, Joe, and Amanda. That was um, really insightful and um, good to um, see those insights. And we've had a little bit of chat going on in the chat box. Um, we have one question from um, Ellie from ARUK. And um, she's asked, have you found um, that people are still donating and that the asking if the average gifts have dropped? Um, before I hand over to you, I'll maybe just answer from our experience at um, Muscular Edition for UK. Um, we have a kind of, we have a, a variety of events that we um, have here at the charity, some that are third party events or, or events that we own that we created and um, set fundraising targets for as well. Um, in particular, over the last year and, and this last quarter, um, I haven't seen um, huge drops in um, the amount of fundraising uh, per head or average fundraising per head. Um, we've had a, a very good quarter in the sense of London Marathon, uh, Great North Run, and some other um, large third-party events that that we're part of, and and have seen um, 
the fundraising for, for those events pretty much be on par with um, uh, pre-pandemic, which was for us was 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 wonderful to see. Um, I think the team at MDUK um, really do focus on on some of these innovative fundraising ideas. Um, so a question really to, to everyone um, in the uh, um, watching watching at home or in in, in their offices, um, it would be would be good to know any innovative ideas that you have and creative fundraising tips um, and just to to put them in the chat box it'll be good to reflect on those um, but I'll hand hand over the question to um, the ladies that enthuse in terms of anything you've seen um, in terms of average gifts dropping yeah I think it's it's a really interesting question and uh, for, for us we haven't seen a, a decrease in the donations either in the size of donations um, we support charities a real range of charities who are setting up lots of different types of events so the average donation amount does differ uh, based on the type of event that they're, they're holding and the, the charity. But what we have seen is that there's lots of things that charity can do to help increase that um, donation amount. So we um, have seen from the events like London Marathon and Great North Run, that those charities who have um, edited their fundraising pages to put in their own donation prompts and suggested amounts, that's had a real impact on the size of the donation uh, and that's had a, an increase in the size of the donation. And also, um, again, going back to our donor pulse study, um, we found in that that 64% of donors are more likely to increase their donation amount if they know where it's being spent. So that's something that, again, is, is really impactful uh, because it does then increase the, the size of the donation. But it's also really um, simple and easy tool for charities to do, to put in a bit of a shopping list and some suggested amounts in there uh, to really let the, the donor know what impact that donation can have. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, I think... One thing that I can say that um, I've had success with personally, just doing fundraising, um, and I know quite a lot of our fundraisers do because we, we push it, is um, we, we provide certain tools like sweepstake kits. And um, one thing that's made a bit of a comeback is is uh, charity football cards where you get these kind of 40, 40 football teams and then uh, people make a donation uh, to choose one of those and then... Um, a certain percentage of it goes as a prize fund and I actually made a, wanted to do a test and make a point that actually um, a smaller fundraising target of two or three hundred pounds could be hit by just one of these fundraising cards so I entered an event uh, and uh, bought, bought a charity place at our charity and only fundraised with that card and, and was successful in um, hitting a 300 pound fundraising target just with that one tool um, so it's things like that, I think, if, if we're able to, to provide to um, our fundraisers, um, it really gives them the, the tool to go out there and, and motivate them to, to get the, the fundraising targets that they need. Um, I was just wondering if um, there are any other tips that have been coming through on the chat box or questions. I can see... Um, Tom from Blue Cross has asked, is now a good time for charities to look at finding supporters outside of the UK with virtual events? 
Um, other countries aren't all being hit as hard as the crisis as the UK is. Um, we we at MDK, we had a few people actually more than usual apply for our London Marathon places from America, which was really interesting just this last year. Um, and, and they were great fundraisers for us, but um, we didn't actually actively go out there to recruit them. But um, yeah, I don't know if, if anyone on the panel wants to uh, feed in or answer that. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not something that we have a huge amount of, of data on um, from the uh, the event participants themselves, and of, of, off the top of my head, anyway. Joan might be able to give a little bit more insight into that. Um, but I think that it's virtual events is a, is a fantastic opportunity to be able to to open that audience up. And um, we've seen lots of charities who will run hybrid events as well. Um, so they'll have a virtual element alongside the, the live event, um, which is really, um, is really encouraging to see because it, it is able to, to open up that audience. Um, Joe, I don't know if you've seen any um, in, in terms of looking at when you're um, working with your clients and where their, their participants are coming from. Are, are you starting to see a bit more of a, a reach outside of, of the UK? I think it. Um, <clears throat> I think it does depend um, a little bit on what the organisation is. Is it sort of? Is it a global charity? Do they have supporters in different countries? And it also depends on on what the event is. You know, is it a very sort of specific to one area type of event, or is it something that actually might sort of impact or have a have a greater impact on the rest of the world? Uh, and I think if if events are put on that seem more relevant to people sort of internationally that that's when you see the draw um, and like you say like London Marathon and, and those bigger events um, you know people kind of aspire to sort of hit all of those and you know from around the world you know it's not just people from London that can run that um, so I think I, I, I yeah no no sort of real statistics or insights but I do think it can can definitely be uh, something that depending on the type of event um yeah we, 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 we it depends really great thank you just uh, i can see ellie from ar uk has said that um that they've seen a lot more applications for london marathon in particular from overseas as well so um maybe there is a trend there um and, and she said almost double the amount compared to last year and probably the similar to us at MD UK. Um, cool, that's really interesting. And um, I think we had another question, which was, are you facing any issues with competition among too many different events at specific time periods? And how do you make your event stand out? I certainly have seen that over, in particular, the last two uh, October periods where London Marathon was shoehorned um, into it and and it did have an effect for us on all the other events that were usually in that period so your kind of large uh, mass participation events like maybe Royal Parks half and um, I think Oxford half and there's quite a few kind of um, half marathons that happened during that period and um, with London Marathon being in there it kind of disrupted it a little bit so me personally and that's at MDUK are quite uh, hopeful with marathon going back to its usual slot in in april and that spreads out um a lot of the other events 
um, and, and goes back to that pre-pandemic calendar of, of events, um, with it being such a, a flagship event and, and it being uh, in a crunch time for um, lots of other events usually happening, um, I, I did think it had an impact. But um, um, yeah, looking forward to it going back in April um, and a little bit of a bonus that, that we've got two in six months um, for us as well. Um, do do you, um, any of the panel want to feed back on that question? Um, yeah, I think that I, I think I agree with you that there, there with the, the London Marathon being in um, in October, it did. It, it, there was lots of um, events all at the same time. So really looking forward to London Marathon being back to its normal uh, April slot, uh, although it, that does mean that time's a little bit shorter in preparation for it this year. Um, but I think it's it, what we're seeing is is the the real need for charities to to stand out a bit more um, within that kind of within that crowd as well. So to be making sure that um, they're able to offer their supporters something special for t for taking part in that event. So the the competition, I suppose, we see is more within the charities rather than within the the events themselves. So really being able to to provide your supporters and provide your runners and your event participants with the best possible possible experience with the best fundraising tips and the best stewardship in there uh, to make sure that they are are returning um, but also to to be giving them the benefits for taking part in that event for that, for that particular charity great thank you um, so just a question from our list that um, we prepared which was um, out to all the charities really um but how how are we all feeling about um setting targets for fundraisers and also possibly um tying in incentives when when gold milestones are raised um does does anyone want to feedback on that on the on the chat and another question just to um add to the mix um is in terms of communication and stewardship, how do you make your um, fundraisers participating in your events feel supported and appreciated? So is there anything special that you do to your for your fundraisers? Um, please do let us know in the, the chat box. It's great to, to share knowledge and um, help us help everyone really raise raise the most possible within, within their charities. So any kind of hints, tips or um, secrets that you have um, feel free to share. Um, on on those two points, there do do um, anyone from Indus want to elaborate on, on some of those? We've got oh, the stewardship question, maybe. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Can you hear me now? <laughs> Perfect. There's always one. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can jump in there, um, Krishan. Um, I think you, you mentioned two different points. Um, so, I guess with with charities, um, yeah, engaging people a, li a little bit more, um, and some some of those creative tips. Um, something I found, um, I did um, a, a race earlier on in the year, Tough Mudder. Um, I mean, I was fundraising um, for the beat scene. I did it in memory of Manana. Um, so I decided that I was going to share a picture each week. Um, just to give a little bit more of a story and try and engage 
people. Um, so it meant that family and friends took part and they were sharing my page as they were doing it as well. So that was just something um, that I found really good to do. Um, but speaking with charities, I think a lot of them are doing sort of mini events within their big events and encouraging people to take part in their own sort of bake sales or, or race nights. I think you also mentioned um, the card, the football card that you were you were doing there. Um, I know that someone um, is uh, someone I know is, is running the London Marathon, and they've also done one for the World Cup. So um, yeah, those things are, are really good um, to share on there. Um, and I don't know if Joe or anyone wants to jump in. Um, yeah, I was just going to sort of jump in on the setting targets and sort of tying in incentives. So I think um, naturally people are going to want to sort of be um, rewarded or sort of made to feel special for doing something good. You know, it's just in our nature. We, we do want we do something to feel good. And it's a really nice touch from a charity when your fundraisers are sort of doing so well, reaching targets um, and sort of continuing to fundraise um, it's really nice to sort of have those goal milestones or key points in their fundraising that they can be celebrated and rewarded with an incentive of sorts and actually you know it doesn't have to be anything big or expensive because obviously we you know we have to consider budgets there's no point in asking people to fundraise and then buying you know big expensive uh, prizes that's not that's not really the point I mean, the thing that seems to fly the most that people love are T-shirts. They are just always in demand. I think it's almost like as a fundraiser, it's almost a little kind of collectible, um, a really nice sort of um, thing to take away from that event that you've taken part in. And if you can, you know, get sponsored even for getting T-shirts made, that's even better. But just small little uh, touch points with your with your fundraisers throughout their fundraising will keep them motivated and um, feeling good about what they're doing and knowing that they're getting that sort of reward back from the from the charity so um it's definitely from my experience and from what i've seen it always has a positive effect right and i think that's been backed up by um some of the chat going on about the incentives and and, and um giving participants or fundraisers something in return, whether it's an acknowledgement or a T-shirt after a target. And we certainly do do that on some events, um, especially some events where where there might be large targets or, or which historically may have um, struggled to, to get targets. So uh, incentives are a great way. Um, I think we've got another question from Haley here. So um, do you think in the current climate, we can still be successful with promoting big challenges that have large fundraising targets per person, um, as long as we give strong stewardship and fundraising support? Or are you finding big challenges a struggle right now due to people not wanting to ask friends for sponsorship to hit big targets and would they be best to avoid? Um, from my side, I really think it depends on the uh, on on that big event. Maybe um, I think events that have a ballot um, or events that um, typically sell out, um, they're the the best ones um, to to go for um, because. Um, once, once they've sold out their general entry, the, the, the charity option is really the only option to take part. So that gives us a little bit more 
um, of a helping hand with recruitment. Um, and then once we have them through the door, I feel that's where we're really confident in our charity and in getting them to their target with using either the fundraising incentive or providing the fundraising tools, the regular, regular communication um, at the right touch points. Um, I, I think by doing all of that, um, you should have confidence in, in recruiting and, and um, uh, buying places in, in some of those events. From my side, I, I, I would champion those that, that have ballots and, and um, have that high demand because um, that will help with recruitment because sometimes that is um, the biggest challenge, I feel, with some events is, is getting people through the door. Um, does anyone from the panel want to ask that, answer that? I was just I was just going to sort of add on to onto what you said, Christian. In that, yeah, I think the the sort of setting targets it really does depend on the event. Um, but like you say, with those mass participation events, they they are popular, and I think we'll see. You know, we've been through a very rocky time, but I think we will start to see um, that pick up again in 2023. We're we're trying. You know, we're very much returning to the new normal, as I said earlier, with the London Marathon going back to its usual spot in April, it's sort of, it, it's starting to feel a little bit easier. And I think the point in the in the question in that sort of, as long as we give strong stewardship and fundraising support, are those targets, you know, okay to set? And I think absolutely. Um, I think that stewardship is such a, such a crucial part of the fundraiser's journey. If they feel like they're being supported along the way, they are, you know, they are bound to feel better about making those asks. You know, charities can offer tips, you know, even write sort of short snippets of things that they can pop in emails or social media posts just to take that sort of worry and fear away from the fundraiser. So if they've got something pre-written that they can just pop on, personalise it a bit, they're, um, then they're, they're going to feel more comfortable doing that, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I think... Be confident um, with the targets. People will raise what they can, no matter what. But if they've got a target that they are aiming for and a goal, it's you know it's always good to have that in in your mind eye. So yeah, I think have confidence and good stewardship. <laughs> Go ahead, Amanda. <laughs> Thanks, Christian. Um, I was just going to jump on uh, at the end of that there, and I suppose that's where yeah those incentives and things can come in really handy. So you know, helping people achieve those targets. I know a lot of charities I've spoken to have had little things in place to say, your first two hundred pounds raised, you know, we'll send you uh, a jersey or a water bottle, whatever it might be. Um, again, just a little thing that that can go a long way um, in helping them achieve that. Um, and it gives them a little bit, you know, of a, a motivational boost, a bit of confidence to to reach the rest of it as well. Yeah. I also think with with those types of events, there's there's a lot more preparation for the um, for the for the fundraiser. Um, so for the likes of the London Marathon, then they need to do lots of training. Uh, if there's treks, then again they'll be doing lots of training. Um, so I think there is there's a longer period to support with that stewardship. 
Um, so it, it means then that the charities have got more time to build their relationships and support them with their fundraising um, and encouraging their fundraisers to have their fundraising page set up early to share their fundraising page, share their stories, share with, with Strava. So there's more opportunities for the fundraiser to actually ask for donations as well. Um, and, and I think as part of that stewardship, it would be really important for those types of events, knowing that they've got larger targets um, to make sure that they are supporting them and they're knowing what um, you know, you're supporting them with the, the right types of, of, of encouragement. Um, so, yeah, so I think um, for those ones, as Joe mentioned, have, have confidence in those targets. Um, just jumping back in on the, the stewardship side of it, um, I think something that charities are, are very good is making supporters feel supported and appreciated. Um, one of the big things we hear a lot about is you know creating WhatsApp groups or creating Facebook groups. And, and Facebook groups, as you probably all know, are a really good place to build that community spirit and, and motivate, each, motivate each other. Um, but something that you can also do in there um, is there's a certain section where you can, you know, post fundraiser guides so it can actually be a nice area to to have everything in one shared place that people can just go go and access um and build each other up as well great thank you everyone um just one final question i think because we're conscious of time um which is uh hopes and aspirations for events in 2023 um if if everyone um on, on the chat box uh, um, could put any hopes and aspirations um, from Enthuse. Is there anything that you would like to, to feed in in terms of your side? Um, I'm excited to see what the next viral type of event or fundraising is. I don't think we've had we've had one of we haven't had one for a while. Uh, I'd like to to see the return of an ice bucket challenge or something like that. Uh, so I think that yeah, I'm hoping that we'll be able to to bring something in 2023. Uh, I don't think I'm creative enough to come up with anything myself, but I will be keeping an eye open for what charities that they do come up with. Yeah, certainly. I wish I came up with ice bucket challenge. Um, uh, anyone else want to, to comment? Um, we've got a few things coming through on the chat. Um, Charlotte wants another step forward to normality in events. Um, I certainly agree with that. I do feel from our side, we've had um, a positive step um, over 2022. And I think some of the stats that, that Enthuse were um, sharing um, over the last year um, backs that up as well. But um, uh, yes, I, I do hope for another step forward into no, to normality and um, just having confidence in events. I think let's um, back ourselves here. We, there is some great events that are happening in the UK for, for charities to be involved in um, and also an opportunity for us to get creative as well within within our charities to, to try and either create the next ice bucket challenge or or create something new for for our audiences um to to get involved in um just gonna look at the chat box and we've got um kathy hoping at maggie's hoping to to get um uh more people signed up in events um because they they did struggle with participation in 2022 um if anyone in the chat box wants to to give uh kathy some um encouragement and ideas maybe for for recruitment that would be really great um 
uh, Rochelle from Hallow Project um, is keen to get more London Marathon charity places. Uh, so fingers crossed for you, Rochelle, at the Hallow Project. Um, and at Elliot, ARUK um, has said that 2023 is going to be their biggest marathon year ever um, because of the rollovers. I think we, 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 we will also have that at MDUK. Um, and, and also the fact that they're a charity partner. So so good luck, um, ARUK, for, for a smashing under marathon year. Um, Vicky has said that there's um, might be a bit of fatigue in virtual events um, and, and her hopes and inspiration will be to get more uh, community and in-person events. And um, good luck to, to Vicky on that. Um, is, over to the panel, really, is, is there any, any other um, hopes and aspirations your side? Um, oh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think kind of off the back of that, like, you know, with the concern of the virtual fatigue, um, I think it's well, my hope is to see a sort of a re-engagement with core supporters going back to sort of what, what supporters and charities do best, which is doing events that really brings people together, creates that community experience. Um, and whether that's an event that's sort of celebrating a charity anniversary, a milestone, a birthday or whatever that is, it's bringing, bringing everyone that supports that charity together to celebrate. Um, that's what I'd like to see. Because I think, of, you know, through the pandemic, you know, we, we did have to cut down and, you know, things like that weren't maybe as easy to do because they tend to be much better in person. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my main hope is to see that community sense come back. And, and I think we will see that. Fingers crossed. Certainly. Go on, Amanda. Last one. <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to the fact that the marathon and things are back in, in full swing again. Um, it was really nice to be able to go out to, to some of the different events and see it, all the different charities there and, and actually be able to see people and connect with them. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to another year of that. Great. Um, I think we um are ready to to hand back to simon and before we do just um a big thank you to sophie joe and amanda and these for for that presentation their insight and, and also comments on uh some of the stuff coming through on the chat box really appreciate your time and uh everything that you've contributed so um back over to simon um just to to close things off and, and thank you for everyone for for joining Thank you, everyone. You are free to go and off the hook. Uh, you're all very, very uh, thoroughly entertaining to listen to. Very interesting. Some great points there. Um, I know Sophie is looking for uh, an ice bucket challenge return. Good news, Sophie. I think me and Nikki are going to be in the enthuse offices in January, so you better watch out. Uh, when you least expect it, you will be extreme ice bucket challenge. Thank you all so much for joining us. Um, I can see people signing off now. So thanks, Rochelle and Anthony, Iona, Charlotte, Nat, Sam. Oh, there's lots of names in there. So thank you all very much. Please do give us your feedback before you head off. Click that feedback button. Now, just some final house skipping for me to um, and, and a couple of offers uh, for you guys. Um, so first of all, I, I want to remind you that this session today was eligible for one CFRE point. If you are a CFRE kind of person, 
um, then it is one point. So make sure you record that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Um, if you want to know more about events fundraising, and there's so much more that we need to unpack, we've got our full conference coming up on the 26th of January, our, our events fundraising virtual summit our hardest conference to say out loud. Um, the Events Fundraising Virtual Summit is happening on the 26th of January. There's gonna be some great sessions. There's already some great sessions lined up for that. You will see a big red button underneath me to book your place at that. And don't forget, we are doing a special offer for 15% off the early bird price right now. Use the discount code EVENTS15. And uh, my colleague, Alex, has popped that into the chat box as well for you. Um, so do use that discount code. Go ahead and book right now. Um, our friends at Enthuse, always so grateful to have them involved. Um, their pulse reports that they push out um, and all of their insights reports are so, so helpful. If you don't get those landing into your inbox already, then I highly recommend you do. You will see a link underneath me um, for the for the Enthuse Insights Archive. Head on over, dip into those reports, um, reports, especially the new one that's just come out around the autumn, uh, uh, the autumn one that's just come out. Um, but click through that. Get in touch with them. Listen to what they have to say. I will forever be um, uh, using them to keep my finger on the pulse. Now that I'm old and a bit out of touch, you know. Um, that's it. Well, the other thing to say is thanks to you, as always. Thanks to all of our attendees for joining us. Um, we run these free sessions pretty much monthly. Uh, we run free sessions on different things. If there's anything specific you'd like to see us cover, then do get in touch. And then we run our virtual conferences. Um, and if you're a member, special thanks to you. We love you so much and thank you so much for enabling uh, us to put these things on. Um, if you're not a member, what are you waiting for? We've got a, a Join Fundraising Everywhere button underneath. Um, remember when you join Fundraising Everywhere, uh, you get access to all of our events, all of our on-demand content, our conferences and members only uh, stuff as well. Um, and if your organization is looking to spend down some training budget before the end of the calendar year, then do get in touch um, because we do organizational memberships as well. I also want to say just a huge big thank you to Krishan, uh, to Joe, to Amanda and to Sophie for taking time out of their busy day to come and share their thoughts with us. And thanks to all of you for taking time. I know you're all busy, so I'm not going to keep you any longer. Look at this. I'm finishing at two o'clock on the dot. That is professional of Krishan, not me. Krishan has kept us perfectly on time. So what a pro. Um, so that's it, my friends. I'm going to say goodbye. Uh, have a good day. Don't forget to leave your feedback. Don't forget to book your place at Event Summit. Don't forget to sign up to the Enthuse uh, Insights. Uh, and I'm going to head off now and try and warm up. Lovely to see you all. And thanks again so much for joining us.